This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. What's going to happen tonight? What's going to happen? We're going to whoop their What's up, y'all? Welcome on into the Go Vols 24-7 podcast. Wes Rucker coming to you from Fort Rucker Studio here on a chilly, I guess you could say seasonably chilly Thursday afternoon, late afternoon here in God's Own Knoxville, Tennessee, about 1.9 miles away from Neyland Stadium, which of course is not where Tennessee is playing this weekend, the Tennessee Volunteers. The fifth-ranked Vols are going to Columbia, South Carolina, to Williams-Brice Stadium to play the South Carolina Gamecocks, 7 p.m. Eastern on Saturday with Fowler and Herb Street and that crew calling the game. It's going to be a chilly night there in Columbia. Big opportunity for Tennessee again on a big stage on ESPN to uh, to state its case, the Vols to state their case to be in the college football playoff here in a couple weeks. Uh, th- these are they're not they're not big games, but they're really really big games if that makes sense. There's a lot to talk about with that. Also going to talk some Tennessee basketball in this edition of the Go Vols 24-7 podcast. And to do both of those sports at once, I think you know where we're going. We're going over to uh, Ben McKee's house to get to the one and the only Ben McKee. Benner, how you doing, my man? I'm doing great. How are you? I'm doing all right. I'm doing all right. It's, uh, it's a good day. Just uh, got recorded the, uh, the, the pregame podcast for late Friday night uh, with our good friend John Whittle from the Big Spur, who does a great job covering the Gamecocks. He was very... Uh, good as always. Uh, the guy never gives himself enough credit for how good he is and all the good information that he has. And uh, he did not paint a very good picture right now for South Carolina. So we'll talk more about that here in a little bit. Don't want to give away too much because that that'll be the podcast for Friday Friday night. But still, I thought it was interesting. Uh, as for me, doing all right. I do not like cold weather. Anything below fifty degrees, I feel like is not fit for human habitation. And uh, sixty. It's uh for you it's sixty, nothing below sixty. Nothing below sixty. I, I am an absolute wimp when it comes to cold weather. I despise it. I, I hate it. There there are instances in which below seventy is is too cold for me. If if it's below seventy or or say it's like sixty four, sixty five and the clouds are out and there's a nice breeze too cold too yeah, cold yeah anything below 50 i've got like the uh the the good old toboggan the knit cap on my on my head i've always called it toboggans i, I imagine y'all probably in alabama called them toboggans too my college roommate <laughs> was from philadelphia and he always said a toboggan's a damn sled you idiot and he was like what are they called he's like they're hats they're winter hats i was like well they're toboggans where I come from. But uh, regardless, a beanie, whatever you call it, I got one on when it's below 50 because 
I hate it. I, I want to take my right arm and right leg and rip them off and throw them uh, into the river when it is cold. I do not like it. Uh, but that's the weather that it's going to be in Columbia this weekend. It will not be a tropical getaway for the Vols. It will be chilly down there uh, in Columbia. But a big, big game. Tennessee still, I believe, a 21-and-a-half-point favorite over the Gamecocks, in, in a, which is interesting to me because uh, – Ben, this is the first time Tennessee will go on the road at night and play an SEC game this season. And, and I, I don't think there's any question that if Tennessee's playing South Carolina at home, you expect a route. If they played them on a neutral field, you'd expect a route. Anytime you go on the league at night or in this league at night and it's not like at Vanderbilt, it, it, it's – going to be pretty hostile that you're going to have to deal with some stuff and 21 and a half points I don't want to say it feels like too much because I might pick Tennessee to cover but it's I mean there's some tricky components to this game and if Tennessee does not handle its business especially early it it could be a fight this weekend uh I I I pretty much disagree a lot of people a lot of people do a lot of people do that's fine (laughs) Uh, I mean, I, I don't think you're you're off base or anything, or, or totally wrong. Um, I, I I think that is a fair thought to have. I I just do not view it as such. I think Carolina is a very very bad football team. I I I think the only potential hiccup for Tennessee is is if they have not corrected the issue with handling the noise offensively. Uh, to me, that's the only kind of thing that I'm looking at uh, th- this weekend. I guess you could throw in the uh, on top of the crowd noise. I guess it all goes together. But on on top of the storyline that Tennessee did not handle the crowd noise at Georgia, now it has to go to South Carolina where it will be loud. It, it won't be one of the best environments in the SEC, but it, it's still going to be loud. It, it'll be a nice environment. Uh, the rooster will be crowing a ton. Sandstorm will be playing a lot, and I would imagine that it's close to a sellout. I would imagine it's that South out. Carolina fans. It's a, it's a sellout. Okay, yeah, and I, I I will be curious to see how much of that is Tennessee fans making the trip. I, it feels like I've I've heard of a lot of people uh, making the trip to to go see the balls in, in Columbia this weekend. Uh, but South Carolina would love nothing more than to spoil Tennessee season. Uh, we we talked on Tuesday after the latest playoff rankings release that it, it seems like the the thing that Tennessee can can do best to, to help their playoff chances isn't really anything that they can actually do but rather get help elsewhere but South Carolina and its fans would love nothing more than to be the reason that Tennessee does does not make the college football playoffs so uh, if if the crowd noise, is the the one kind of thing we're pointing to in terms of the, a potential ugly football game for Tennessee if they do not handle it that well, and we're not really referencing personnel, then I think that tells you all you need to know about the matchup on paper. Yeah, I think it's weird because, you know, there was a lot of, in certain circles, there was a lot of consternation or a lot of, maybe not concern, but a lot of... Um, 
uh, a, a lot of a lot of caution in some ways of, about that Kentucky game. And I said the whole week they're fine. They're the, Kentucky's not going to come to Neyland and beat this team. Will Levis will make a mistake. I didn't think he'd throw three interceptions and maybe two more. But I I, I just didn't think that would be a a, a close game. And and then. When you go to the Mizzou game, I didn't think Tennessee would struggle, but I didn't know that it would cover. And, in fact, I didn't pick Tennessee to cover that, what, 18 or or 20-whatever-point spread it was. And Tennessee ended up – it was a laugher, 42 points. So it wasn't even close. So I I, I think this week I just keep thinking in my head – and it's weird how things can get in there and stick, right? Like Georgia's got an open-air press box. It's one of the few left in the league that's kind of open air. And and so and it didn't have to be open air because Ben was down on the field getting getting pissed on by Mother Nature. But regardless, we were up there in the box. And so there's aren't there are not many places where you can still really, 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 really feel the noise. Like in Neyland, you, a lot of other press boxes, you're kind of shut off. So you can tell, but you can't really tell. Georgia, you, you could really tell because you're, we were all out there in the elements, not in the elements with the weather, but we were out there in the in the in the air so to speak and Tennessee's offensive line struggles to communicate in that game and their struggles to do get communicated what they wanted to do offensively that just kind of like got wedged in my brain and it's stuck there and I don't know that it's and even Whittle for the podcast on Friday said, yeah, but look at Georgia's defense and look at South Carolina's defense like they're not the same thing and I said you're right they're not but I've covered enough games at williams Bryce Stadium to know that at least at the start of the game, it's going to be loud. It's going to be hostile. They've got the fancy lights like everybody does now. They've got the better sound system like everybody has now. They're going to blare Sandstorm 2001, all that stuff. They're going to be loud. And if Tennessee starts this game really well, I think Tennessee can sort of bury this team. Because that team's waving, you know, wavering, teetering after last week's game. Gave up 374 rushing yards to Florida. Um, and like 300 of that was in the first half. So South Carolina didn't quit. It just got beat. But I, I, something like that sticks in your mind, and you think, you know, with everything Tennessee's playing for, if they don't get off to a great start, if the crowd gets on them, I could just see this being one of those games that it's it's, it's just a struggle. But I'm not picking that probably, but it's just the thought's in my head. Yeah, no, it's a, it's a fair thought to have for sure. Uh, it, it, it is absolutely a, a possibility that Tennessee is is not ready to handle the environment. I would just be very surprised if that is the case, and, and I'm sure that you feel the same way, that, that you would also be surprised if if they're not ready to handle this moment. And, and honestly, despite the Georgia debacle, I, I feel kind of confident saying that, Wes, uh, because – uh, it, it does seem like it was simple execution and that they were a little bit rattled in the moment, maybe tried to do too much because it was Georgia and, and you won't have that aspect mentally because it's South Carolina and they know that they're not a good team. Uh, so I, I don't necessarily think that they'll try to do too much. Um, but I, I, again, I, I thought Tennessee would handle the noise well at Georgia because of how many veterans are on the offensive side of the ball. And, and I feel that same way uh, this weekend. I, I, I kind of feel like we're going to look back at the the Georgia debacle and the inability to communicate and uh, all the pre-snap penalties as more of a one-off than, than anything. I, I would be very surprised if, if that, 
if that happened again, uh, especially this weekend. I, I think it would be a greater question if Tennessee was going uh, to Bryant-Denny Stadium this weekend or Tiger Stadium in Death Valley for a night game. I think then it, it's a, a much different question because of the level of team that you're playing. Uh, and, and again, it's a very fair thought to have. that. That is the one thing I'm looking for in this game. How will Tennessee handle the environment because it did not do so at Georgia, but I am, and, and I may look like an idiot because it's it's going to be for the same reasons uh, I had going into the Georgia game. I think the fact that this is a veteran football team, the fact that they've been able to correct those mistakes theoretically in practice, we'll see if it translates to the game because of all those factors. And again, like I said, South Carolina isn't Georgia, so I don't feel like Tennessee's players are going to be pressing to do too much because of the magnitude of the game that was in Athens. I think for all of those reasons, I would be very surprised if Tennessee does not handle the noise uh, this weekend. Yeah. Cause when you look at South Carolina, it, it, it's interesting that it's obviously not a good football team. Like I'm not going to make them out to be like the 85 bears. Like I'm not going to sit here and tell you that that's a great football team because that would be a, a crock of, you know what, the, there's no, there's no planet on which that's a really, really good football team. However, however, there is some talent on that team. Like it's, it's, there are guys, I mean, they, they, they brought in what one of the top five rated portal classes in, in the, in the country. They've got an offensive line that has a lot of experience. Uh, their running backs who I think are pretty good are actually banged up. And that that's unfortunate for them because when those, especially when Lloyd, when he's healthy, he's, he's a good player. I mean, he averages a ton of yards after contact. He's a very, very good player, and uh, VFL Montero Hardesty has done a really good job coaching him and, and those those guys. But they've got a tight end in Jaheim Bell who is just a freak and a guy who I think will make a lot of money playing this game. But they've had to put him at running back to get him the football because Rattler can't get him the ball. And, and Rattler put up – I mean, it was against Big 12 defenses, but a couple years ago he put up pretty good numbers as a quarterback – this year, he's got eight touchdowns and nine interceptions. The receivers are maybe nothing special, but a couple of decent players. Like, they've got some guys on that offense that, on paper, should be pretty decent players. And that's why there were some expectations for this team. That's why some people got excited about this team. I, I tried to tell them, I don't think that team's very good, and you need to you know, break, tap the brakes a little bit, because last season they beat up on some teams late in the year that were – big names, prestige names that that were mailing it in. So that 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 should not have meant as much as it did. It was kind of a crock that that Beamer had to got to split that award with Hypo last year's best first year coach. But that team was expected to win 3.5 three and a half games. I think that was the Vegas over under last year and it won 6. So so it did a good job. But it's got some guys who will hurt you if you give them space. And and so Tennessee if it takes care of business, if it's focused, I don't see a problem here. But look at Tennessee basketball against Colorado on on Sunday. You go out there and have a bad day, anything can happen. This is th- this team is not Vandy. This is not a MAC team. It's a decent team. It, it's not, but I, I don't think it's much better. Quite frankly, uh, I am a big Jaheim Bell fan, and and I do agree with you. He's he's going to be making a lot of money probably. One day, if he gets it figured out in, in the NFL, uh, shoot, he, he's probably going to be making quite a bit of money next year, potentially as, as a transfer. Yep. Um, because there, there's been a lot of talk about 
how underutilized he has been. I know a place that could use a tight end next year, Ben. I I can think of one as well, and and I'll, I'll let's stop right here and say Wes and I know absolutely nothing in in regards to Jaheim Bell transferring. He he may he may decide not to transfer, but I do think he is going to be one of the players speculated the most about in terms of transferring because of how poorly Marcus Satterfield, the offensive coordinator, has used him this season. I mean, it it's been a distraction off the field. All the talk uh, about how poorly they they have used him i mean it, it's butch jones level and, and honestly probably even worse than than some of the players uh that but, butch jones misused and, and did not use enough so uh jaheim bell is a, a freak and he is absolutely capable uh, of going off this weekend tennessee uh is going to have to be on its p's and q's when it comes to jaheim bell but I, I am not a Spencer Rattler fan. I, I don't think he is very good at all. I, I think he has a ton of natural athleticism, which has allowed him to have success here and there. But you, you look at some of the drama over the years, even going back to high school, I don't think he's a real leader. I don't think he cultivates people. I don't think he brings people together. And, and I think that is an issue for the South Carolina football team. And, and maybe he's matured. Uh, but that was certainly an issue at Oklahoma in terms of his inability to to lead. And, and maybe as he's gotten older, he, he's developed that skill set. But I don't know that I necessarily believe that. I, I believe leadership is, is more of a, a natural trait and something that you're born with yeah. rather than something that can be taught in a year or two. Uh, obviously, you can improve as a leader. I, I certainly believe that. But in terms of going from – the opposite of a leader to being a leader within a year or two, I, I don't think that's possible. Uh, so I, I'm not all that impressed with Spencer Rattler. Uh, and, and you're right. They do have a ton of experience up front along the offensive line, but all experience is not good experience. It's the same South Carolina offense that's been there for two or three years now that has not been good. Uh, they, they've been very inconsistent this season. Uh, and and that is a, a matchup for Tennessee that I feel like it should absolutely – whip South Carolina in, in the trenches. We'll, we'll see if Amari Thomas plays. That That is a big question mark, and that would certainly hurt Tennessee in that spot. But uh, e- even, honestly, without Amari Thomas, I feel like that's a matchup that Tennessee's defensive line should win, especially after you saw Tyler Barron take a huge step forward last week with, with Tyler Barron and, and Byron Young and DeJon Terry and, and Bryson Eason and those other guys, I, I I feel like that's a matchup that Tennessee should win, even without Amari Thomas. So, and, and you're right, the backs are banged up, uh, the the tight ends, other than Jaheim Bell, because they brought the kid in from Oklahoma as well, yep. Stegner, I believe. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't believe he's done a whole lot this season, uh, and and then they don't really have any game changers defensively, uh, especially going up against this Tennessee offense. So I think if Tennessee's locked in, ready to play, the the noise does not affect them, then I, I think it is absolutely possible that, that Tennessee probably hangs 50 or 60 uh, and, and wins by many points. And and honestly, I feel like if, if they're not as locked in as they should be, this is still a game that they probably still win by 20 or 20 or so points. So I, I would be very surprised if it's a, a single digit game, uh, when when the buzzer sounds, yeah, I, I think that what's interesting is is that Radler, if he were the kind of guy who would do certain things, he could give this Tennessee defense some problems because I think Tennessee's pretty 
solid up front, and the, the defensive line's very underrated, very underrated. The linebackers are appropriately rated. They're they're solid. They're not great. They're not game changers, but they're they're good players. They're solid players. Um, uh, the back end of Tennessee's defense, though, it is what it is. It, it's a grab bag. You never really know what you're going to get, and a lot of times it's not going to be very good. But Rattler does not throw the ball over the middle. He just refuses sometimes to throw the football over the middle. And if he would throw the ball over the middle, you can do a lot of damage to Tennessee by attacking those seams and getting in those pockets between the safeties and the linebackers. You can do a lot of damage there. Um, But he doesn't naturally do that very often or very well. He's just not comfortable in a lot of cases doing it. And then South Carolina's defense um, is probably better in the back end than it is in the front seven. But – the Tennessee's receivers are better than 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 them. So it, it's to me like if South Carolina would just do a couple of things, like if you had a guy who would throw the ball over the middle, then if he could not get hit, if he could take a little bit of pressure and throw the ball, he could get some some yards against this Tennessee defense. And they don't mind getting giving up a couple of big plays and playing that ping pong game if they make some big plays on top of it. So I just don't think South Carolina is constructed in a way that should make this a, a close game. It's going to have to be something artificial that makes it a, a close game, like some sort of a. It has to be Tennessee. Yeah, it's got to be something artificial in terms of like a you know the special team stuff that they do, or like a block kick, or Tennessee just throwing an early pick six and the crowd goes crazy. Something, something weird. So guys get hurt. God forbid. Like something like that would have to happen. I think because you want you want to hear a crazy stat, Ben. Here's a crazy stat, and John Whittle is the one who just told me this not long ago. South Carolina has not been has not finished a season in the top half of the SEC offensively since 2014. Not one time in the top half of the league. So Marcus Satterfield might be like an exaggerated version of the problem there, but that's been the problem there for that program for a decade now. They're just not very good offensively. No, they're not. And uh, Satterfield is a a major issue. He he will not be the offense coordinator at South Carolina next season. He can't be. He can't uh, I can. No, he and he won't be. I think that's a situation where they're just riding it out uh, until the end of the season. You, you play Tennessee this week, should be an L. You, you play Clemson next week, that should be an L as well. Uh, you, you can't spell well without two L's, yeah. and that's what South Carolina is, is going to do to end the season here. But uh, they'll be six and six, go to a bowl game. I'm, I'm sure beat up on some bad team and go seven and six, and, and Shane Beamer will, will claim it as one of the greatest seasons in, in college football history because he's a cornball and, and that's what find, he does. Find some joy. Find some joy. Uh, he, he is just uh, – I'm not in on on Shane Beamer. I I, I love his passion. I, I really do. But he just really, really reminds me of, of Butch Jones, quite frankly, uh, in terms of his corniness of, of what we see public – uh, publicly. Um, and I agree with what you said earlier. Uh, he he – what – truly good team has he beaten there's not a single one not a single one some of those wins he had last year uh he, he beat a florida team either to to get dan mullen fired or the week after dan mullen was fired uh, i can't remember but that florida program was in disarray when yeah. when they won uh a couple of weeks ago they beat texas a&m and, and we all know what <laughs> texas a&m team is and, and look Credit for to them uh, for for taking advantage yep. of those games. Yes, uh, there there is absolutely something to be said for that. Um, but I, I just get a little irritated because SEC media members and, and national media members 
fall in love with Shane Beamer because he is so accessible to the media and and is very media friendly. He knows uh, he so knows he knows how to get the national media talking about you. Correct. And and look, kudos to him that that is a, a good trait to have when you're at a place like South Carolina. Um, but I just I, he hasn't produced a ton of results to to necessarily die on this hill. I, I just kind of think he's overrated. Um, and uh, it, it is only the second year, and they they have been recruiting pretty well uh, for for South Carolina football standards. Uh, if you look what they've been able to to do in, in this class that that is about to come in, they, they really have done well in the yeah. recruiting trail. Uh, so maybe we'll we'll look back in a couple of years, and and Shane Beamer will will have it rocking and rolling. But I, I think part of the issue, as you pointed out, with that stat about South Carolina's offense is, is yes, Satterfield is a, a big issue, lacks creativity, makes decisions that he should not make uh, at any point in the game, especially in crucial situations. He, he doesn't get playmakers involved. That is a big issue, Marcus Satterfield is. But they they also lack talent and, and have for a very, very long time. Part of that is um, – much champ and how defensive minded he is. Uh, and, and then I feel like they've struck out on their transfers. Uh, again, they went out and got the, the transfer from Oklahoma, the tight end. They brought in Spencer Rattler as well, obviously. And it just hasn't really worked out the, the way that they thought it would. So, uh, again, I would be very, very surprised if, if this is a close game on Saturday night. Yeah. I, before we go to break, I'll just say I think Beamer is a guy who, if you give him if he can be a CEO type of coach and you can give him good coordinators who can, and you can say that about any coach, right? Like a coach is only as good as his staff. That's usually the case. But, um, but I, I think if you give, if he got his coordinator hires right and he just kind of manages the thing and does recruiting and does the rah, rah stuff, I think he could have a pretty decent career. If, if, if he can, if he has that trait that, that you can hire and and keep and manage good people and let them do their job and you do yours. I think the thing could be okay for him, but I, I don't know. Um, we'll have to see if he can do that because right now um, that team is is certainly not not very good. But um, you know what? The Tennessee's got to go there and take care of business. So we'll see. We will have uh, the preview for the game uh, tomorrow on the podcast. We'll also have a post-game pod after the game uh, from what I assume will be a very, very chilly uh, situation over there. It'll be cold, but uh, we will get it done. Um, but uh, before we do that, actually, Ben, do you have any other football thoughts before we go to break? I I do not. Uh, most of my other football thoughts are on the Tuesday pod reacting to the latest college football playoff rankings where, quite frankly, there wasn't a ton to react to. But I, I think the bigger question this weekend, and obviously this is under the assumption that Tennessee wins, is will it get help elsewhere? And I'm allowed to look at what else is going on in college football. Uh, the, the players and coaches, they need to be locked in on South Carolina. Yeah, that's their job. pointed out. Yes, that, that is their job. That's not my job. Just like uh, this past weekend between Tennessee basketball and Colorado, it, it was not my job to be locked in and ready to play against Colorado. That was Santiago Vescovies and Zakai Ziegler's and the rest of those guards who did not play well, their job. And Rick Barnes' job <laughs> to be locked in, and, and they weren't, and that's why they got beat. Uh, so I'm, I'm more so looking kind of just because I, I don't feel like it's going to be very competitive in Columbia on Saturday night. Uh, maybe a little intrigue in, in terms of if Hendon is able to, to really pad his stats for the Heisman conversation. I think Jalen Hyatt also needs to be in the Heisman conversation, 
and, and Lord knows he wants to to put his foot up, you know, where yes. against South Carolina yes. this weekend. Yes. So yes. if he were to have another three or four touchdowns, um, I, I certainly think he's really in the Heisman conversation at that point. And look, here's another thing. Uh, we talked about it after um, Missouri uh, and, and all of the points that Tennessee put up on Missouri late. Uh, and that was a hot topic across college football. Part of that was because Eli Drinkwitz ran his mouth publicly about Tennessee runs his mouth privately behind the scenes about Tennessee, which has not been reported a lot, but is very true. Shane Beamer is in that same context. Shane Beamer has, has thrown his shots at Tennessee publicly, most notably after they beat Georgia state and alluded to the fact that Tennessee lost to Georgia state, went out of his way to do that. Uh, And, and he likes to, to talk, as you can imagine, uh, behind the scenes as well. So uh, those are really the the key things I'm looking for this weekend uh, from Tennessee Heisman stuff with with Hooker and, and Hyatt, and and then also what, what's that final point total uh, against South Carolina? But aside from that, I mean the two big games at noon uh, on Saturday, uh, Clemson or not Clemson, but uh, Illinois and Michigan, mm-hmm. uh, and then TCU at Baylor. Uh, I, I imagine many Tennessee fans will have. Two screens rocking and rolling at, at noon on Saturday. Yeah, I'll say this before we go to break. If you're if you're a an SEC football coach and you try to negatively recruit uh, against Tennessee by telling prospects that their Tennessee's offense will not get you ready for the NFL like yours will, uh, and then Josh Heupel gets the chance to play you and score as many points as he wants on you, he is absolutely going to score as many points as he can on you. If you sit there and tell high school prospects that Tennessee's offense will not get you ready for the NFL, whether it's true or not, whether it's true or not, if Heupel gets the chance to respond to that on the field, uh, he'll never say anything publicly, really. It's just not the way he is. But if he can score 70 on you, he will. He absolutely will. That's where he gets uh, his responses, and I think you can ask some people uh, in the other Columbia in this league how uh, how that turned out for them. So uh, that's that's where things are there. But we're going to take a quick break, step away, pay some bills, uh, listen to some products, services, in-house ads, et cetera, and then we'll come back and talk some Tennessee basketball here on the Go Vols 24-7 podcast. Hashtag ad. Money! Knowing how to speak and understand a new language can be an invaluable tool when traveling, meeting new friends, or just even to master a new skill. But it's not always simple when you're bogged down by textbooks and structure classes. That's why so many people trust Rosetta Stone. Rosetta Stone is the most trusted language learning program, available on desktop or as an app. It truly immerses you in the language you want to learn, like Spanish, French, Italian, Chinese, and more. You won't just be studying English translations. The Rosetta Stone intuitive process helps you pick up a language naturally, first with words, then phrases, then sentences. Don't put off learning that language. There's no better time than right now to get started. For a very limited time, listeners can get Rosetta Stone's lifetime membership for 50% off. Visit rosettastone.com rs10. That's 50% off unlimited access to 25 language courses for the rest of your life. Redeem your 50% off at rosettastone.com rs10 today. eBay Motors is here for the ride. Remember when you first saw the potential? And then through some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Look to your left. Look to your right. It's official. No one's got a ride like this. There's nothing else that sounds like, feels like, 
or looks like the set of wheels in your garage. With over 122 million parts, you can make sure your number one ride or die stays running smoothly, so there's no limit to how far you can take it. Brake kits, turbochargers, engines, exhaust kits, roof racks, LED headlights, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus at these prices, well, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Welcome back, welcome back, welcome back. Welcome back to the Go Balls 24-7 podcast brought to you by whatever product, services, and in-house ads you just heard a moment ago during that commercial break. West Rucker coming to you from Fort Rucker Studio and Ben McKee coming to you from Ben McKee's house here on a uh, uh, a chilly, a sunny, pleasant uh, in terms of the sunlight, not so pleasant in terms of the temperature kind of day here in God's Own Knoxville, Tennessee. Talking a little Tennessee football in the first segment. Going to switch gears and talk about some uh, Tennessee basketball here in this segment, although we also could discuss some Tennessee baseball because we talked to Tony Vitello for about half an hour on Thursday morning as well. So everything is happening all at once, all at the same time. This is the, one of those times of year where everything is going on. So we got a lot to talk about. But before we do that, uh, just a quick request from our end. If you could take about a minute out of your day right now, let's say 60 seconds, 75 seconds, maybe 90 seconds tops. Go in there and rate and review and subscribe to this podcast. We sure would appreciate that. If you are just listening on the website right there, GoVols247.com, no problem with that. No wrong way to consume this podcast. However, what helps us out the most is if you go in there on Apple Podcasts and Spotify and Google, Amazon, iHeart, TuneIn, Stitcher, anywhere in the world you can cast a fine pod, you can find this GoVols 24-7 podcast. We do this for free. We're happy to do it. It's a labor of love. Very few complaints. However, since we're doing it for free, I don't think it's too much to ask to go in there. Rate, review, subscribe, and tell your friends. Tell people you see at church. Tell people you see walking the dog. Tell people you see at the dog park. Tell people you see around town. Tell your mailman, or if you're a mailman, or if you're a mailman and you see you're delivering mail and you see somebody wearing a Tennessee shirt, tell them, hey, hey, you uh, you are a Tennessee fan. You should listen to the Go Balls 24-7 podcast. And that exact situation has happened in a town that is not Knoxville. So uh, I've heard now at least three stories uh, of people going out there and doing these things, and that is how movements start. So don't laugh at it. Well, laugh at it if you want. That's fine. But it's working slowly but surely, like Novocaine. Just give it time. If you're already doing all those things, thank you. We love you. And if not... I award you no points, and may God have mercy on your soul. Ben, back to business. College basketball, Tennessee basketball. The 22nd-ranked Vols, who plummeted from 11th to 22nd nationally, one week after some of us were saying, why are they not a top-10 team? Well, they went out there to Colorado uh, to net play Colorado and Nashville and uh, put... As I put on the other day, a wet baby turd on the court there at a Bridgestone Arena got run out of the building, got beat by a team that they should have beaten by about 30, 40 points, and they, or 30 points, and they did not. Uh, and that's no disrespect to Tad Boyle, who's a very good basketball coach. Um, very, very good basketball coach. But Tennessee had the superior team, should have won that game, did not. Then came back and played a tricky game potentially against Florida Gulf Coast at, at Thompson Bowling Arena. Uh, Florida Gulf Coast team, Dunk City, which did beat USC by 13 points in L.A. to start the year. So not an opponent that you can take lightly. Uh, Tennessee responded in the way that I think a lot of us thought they might. The Vols, 81. The Eagles, 50. What are your thoughts just on the past, like, five or six days, Ben? Yeah, there's been a lot to to go on 
with Tennessee basketball, even for it being the the second and third game of the season and uh, the the middle of November uh, and and really the first week of the season, if if you look at it that way, uh, with, with Tennessee playing Colorado on Sunday, uh, the main thing that sticks out is is the Zakai Ziegler storyline and how people were, in my opinion, unfairly upset with Rick. Uh, about Rick's comments after the Colorado loss and um, said that Zakai was totally out of control and that him starting was not working so that he had already told Zakai that he would no longer be starting moving forward. And uh, people, A, have this weird fascination with jumping on Rick Barnes at, at any moment that they can. I, I, I don't understand that whatsoever. I realize that that he has not had as much NCAA tournament success as as maybe he should have, and, and that irritates some. But the the way some Tennessee fans just jump on his back, the the moment that that they can baffles me. When, when you consider uh, how much he has won here, uh, he, he's won two SEC championships, and that that is after being the uh, third coach in, in three seasons when he was hired. And I, I feel like he's elevated the profile of, of Tennessee basketball during his time here. And he, he's brought a lot of entertainment and joy to Tennessee fans o- over his time at Tennessee. And uh, then you look at what he's done in the community and, and how awesome he is as, as a person and, and as a leader on Tennessee's campus. Well, when you combine all those factors, it, it baffles me just how quickly fans want to jump on his back but I guess that's a a separate conversation but because of that feeling that some Tennessee fans have they they did not like Zakai Ziegler or the comments made about Zakai Ziegler and and thought that uh, Rick was only throwing him under the bus when in fact he threw Santiago Vescovi under the bus I mean the sentence before he said that Santi was out of control the the same thing he said about Zakai he said about Santi He, he also said it uh, maybe not those words, but he also talked about Tyreek Key's poor play. He talked about Julian Phillips' poor play. He talked about Olivier Camois' poor play. And he said himself that Tad Boyle had his team more prepared to play than he did, which, for those who do not understand, that is him taking ownership and taking responsibility for the poor performance that Tennessee had inside of Bridgestone. Uh, arena. So that storyline has really been the one that has stood out to me the most, West, because I, I thought that that game in hindsight would be a one-off. They simply thought that they could show up and roll the ball out onto the court, put on their jerseys and win. They they got caught slipping looking at the fact that Colorado lost to Grambling on Friday night, uh, which is a Grambling team that some now have ranked in the top 25 when you look at various top 25 polls or whatever from mm-hmm. national media members. Uh, they, they saw that and they, they got comfortable. They got too comfortable. And I, I thought that it would be a one-off because I, I thought that was a, a, a one game situation. I, I thought that w- that would be nipped in the bud and, and corrected and, and not be a problem anymore. And, and, and we'll see what they do next week uh, against stiffer competition. Uh, you're going to play Butler on Wednesday then you either play USC or BYU on Thursday, uh, and then you'll play another high-level team on that Friday down in the Bahamas. So we'll, we'll see how they handle that, but I, I do think it's going to prove to be a one-off uh, because this team is is too talented, uh, has too many veterans, 
And I think that they showed on, on Wednesday night that it was a one-off. Rick Barnes said it perfectly, in my opinion. Florida Gulf Coast is a, a good basketball team. They, they really are. I'm not saying that they're necessarily going to make noise uh, in the NCAA tournament, but they're, they're a really solid basketball team where if Tennessee showed up in the same manner that it did against Colorado, it, it would have got slapped in the face again. And I think it's a huge credit to the players and the coaches for, for how they responded uh, to the Colorado debacle. And, and they showed up in and beat a good basketball team because of their preparation. And, and it wasn't all that long of a turnaround either. I mean, it, it was a rather quick turnaround, Wes, mm-hmm. yeah, uh, for, for Tennessee to look like they did on Sunday and to turn around while, while hearing a lot of outside noise uh, over two days. And you're still without Urosh Plashik and not saying that he's, He's going to be the reason Tennessee wins or loses, but he's a key rotation player, especially in the front court that that doesn't really have a ton of options. Uh, I, I thought it was very impressive how they got things corrected and, and how they looked against Florida Gulf Coast. Yeah, I, I, I think two things. One, I, I, the concern in the Colorado game was not that Tennessee missed shots. I mean, you, you that's basketball. And there can be days where you're even really dialed in and focused and the shots just are not going to go in. Basketball is a cruel game like that. You just have those kinds of games. That, to me, was not the concern. The concern was that Tennessee still scored enough points where it should have beaten Colorado, uh, but Tennessee just got outfought. Tennessee got out-toughed, out-hustled, um, and, and out-thought, and, and that kind of stuff you just can't. You can't get out-thought and out-fought. You just, you just can't. That That's not – that's not what winners do. That to me was the concern in that game. And and that was the kind of thing that I was like, Oh, is this a one off or, or is this a sign of some trouble with this team? Good to come back and show in the next game that, Hey, at least for now that stuff's, you know, water under the bridge. I think the, 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 the issue where people jump all over Barnes, it stems from one thing and one very specific thing. And one thing that I think, has some merit it's taken too far but i understand the 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 basic point the basic point is that rick barnes has not won enough in the postseason as much as he should he just has not and so basketball can be such a marathon of of, of a sport but you know the past several years more often than not tennessee has had a team that had the potential with the right break to get to the final four Uh, and it has not done it and it's had some early exits in the tournament and people think no matter what happens during the season, this thing's just going to not go where I want it to go in the postseason, so I'm going to be pissed off at the world. That's what happens. It's the lack of – and, it, and it, it's a fair, fair conversation. When you make as much money as Rick Barnes does, you ought to have more postseason success. That's just calling something what it is. That's calling a spade a spade. But when it kind of robs the joy of everything that else that happens during the season, um, it, to me it gets a little bit like that. it's a little much. It's a little much. Like people sitting there saying they're already eagerly awaiting like the next era of Tennessee basketball. How in the hell do you know Tennessee's going to get that right? We have no. Maybe it would. I, I don't know. I don't know. Um, and 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 right now, what I can tell you is that every year that that guy is there, Tennessee is going to be relevant. Tennessee is going to have a chance. And if you keep getting into that tournament, odds are at some point you just keep chipping away. You're going to get the right break. You're going to get the the kind of day where you throw the ball and it just goes in every time. It's a weird sport, basketball is. There, there's a lot of coaches that are really good coaches that have not had a ton of postseason success. Rick is probably atop that list, but there are others on that list. And so I understand the frustration that people have, and I think it makes sense, and it's not unreasonable. 
The unreasonable thing is when you become a killjoy for anything and everything related to Tennessee basketball because of that. It's just like, man, like go watch something else, man. Like if, if, if it's not going to, if any single loss or if any single problem is going to make you go back to that level, just what are you, what, what are you doing? What are you doing? Like this team is going to be relevant as long as he's here. This is an interesting team. Julian Phillips is a magnificently talented player who it's going to be fun to watch play. Ziegler is worth the price of admission. Vescovy worth the price of admission. Josiah Jordan James very quietly looks like he could have a really, really, really good season the way he's, if he can knock on wood, stay healthy. Olivier Cumwell, interesting player. They've got some guys on this team who I think are interesting players, and this team is going to be relevant. Yes, they're, they're going to be very good. They're, they're going to be one of the best teams in the SEC, as we talked about on, on the preview podcast that we did. And look, I, I certainly understand the frustration with the lack of NCAA tournament wins. Uh, Rick probably should should have won more uh, in the tournament than, than he has. Now, I don't think it's black or white. I don't think it's that cut and dry. Uh, I think you go back and, and you look at the Loyola loss that – that you didn't have Kyle Alexander, the the ball uh, hit every single bit of the rim. And if it goes in, then, then Tennessee's moving on and Loyola is not. Yep. And Tennessee probably makes a run uh, there in, in that tournament. And I know Loyola Chicago doesn't necessarily have the brand name. They made it to the Final Four. So it, it's not like they, they lost to Oregon State like they did in the COVID year. Uh, th- those are the the tournament failures that that I look at and, and kind of raise my eyebrow. Uh, and uh, you, you look at when they lost to Purdue. Uh, to me, that's a fifty fifty game. Uh, and that uh, is t- the t- Tennessee of, won that game if it had been called correctly. That was a bad call on Turner. It just was. But but even bad call or not, that that was the epitome of a great college basketball game that could have gone either way. Uh, and unfortunately, because of Tennessee luck. <laughs> As uh, Tennessee fans love to, to point out, they, they the ball did not bounce their way uh, yet again. Uh, and and then this past year against Michigan, definitely should have made it further than than they did. But I do think there's some context. That Michigan team is is very very talented. Um, there, there was a ton of talent on that team and uh, was was playing its best basketball of the year at that point. And, and Tennessee was too until the final six minutes of that basketball game where Rick Barnes' system was getting open looks for Santiago Vescovi and Kennedy Chandler and Zakai Ziegler and Josiah Jordan-James and and the shots that those guys had just made the last two months to make a run and, and win the SEC tournament, they didn't go down. Uh, and, yes, at the end of the day, it is a results-oriented business. I understand that. But I, I do think it is also fair to point out the context of the guys were getting open looks and the shots that they had just made the last two months of the season were not falling during those last six minutes uh, of the game. So that I know that's a whole nother conversation. Uh, and to, to sum it up soft or shortly uh, and, and to get to the point, it's a results oriented business. Like I just said, uh, and Rick does need more success in the tournament, but that, that was also kind of, what I didn't get about the reaction on on Sunday uh, is that this team will be ultimately judged by what they do in March. Last January, it looked like they were going to fight to make it to the tournament, and then they go on to, to receive one of the best seeds in the field, win the SEC tournament. Nobody saw that coming at the beginning of last January. 
so I just thought it was a little too soon for the for the freak out. And I don't think that that people liked Rick jumping over jumping on Zakai. And I would certainly get that had Zakai been the only one that Rick pointed out, but he didn't. He he went through the entire roster and and pointed out what everybody did wrong except for Josiah Jordan James, because he thought Josiah Jordan James was the only player that was that showed up and, and was ready to play. And Rick even said that he did not have his team prepared to play and, and that he got out coached. So I just thought the reaction was a, a little bit early. Uh, and, and honestly, that's been my, my biggest takeaway. I think this is still going to be a great basketball team. And uh, come March, they, they should have an opportunity to make a deep run in the tournament. It's just a matter of will they and will the ball bounce their way as well. Yeah, I, I think what, what's interesting to me and, and what I, I don't know that a lot of people – fully understand about Rick Barnes is that, and this is not to say that it's right or wrong. I, I, I honestly don't know. I mean, I can see, I can, I don't like saying things like this, but I can see it both ways. Um, but Rick Barnes does not care. Rick Barnes, if, if you were to poll right now and see, just poll the Tennessee fan base for approval ratings, uh, and you polled Zakai Ziegler and you polled Rick Barnes, Zakai Ziegler's probably got a higher uh, approval rating. He just does, and that's not that Rick Barnes' approval rating is low. I think it, I think Rick Barnes' approval rating is high. It's just that Zakai Ziegler's just through the roof. Like, but but he does not care to that what it might sound like or look like if he goes after a player who might be more popular than he is in some circles. That does not register on his radar. I I wrote this in a column. I'm doing this for twenty two years, something like that. Whatever. I'm old. And I've never – Rick Barnes is the only coach that I've covered for more than one year who has never complained to me a single time about anything that I've ever written or said, ever. And that might be that because he just doesn't read it. It might be, be – or, or watch it. Or it may be that he either um, – that he does see it and he doesn't care or he thinks it's fair or unfair, but either way he doesn't care. The bottom line is he doesn't care. He is 68 years old. He is doing this the way he wants to do it. He is going to recruit players who will understand the way they do things. And if they don't understand or appreciate the way Tennessee does things, there's the door. That's how he is. If you if you want to be coached hard, if you want to take public and private criticism and try to use it as fuel to improve yourself, then you can succeed at Tennessee. You, you will be in the, If you cannot handle that, and not everybody can. There are some really good players who cannot succeed in that environment. They will be shown the door. They will be given other places to go play basketball. The portal is the that's why the portal exists these days. But guys like I mean, when Olivier Kumwa came out and said what he did last night, that is an accurate reflection of the way genuinely most of those players feel. You will occasionally get your Lamonte Turner types who are so tough that they will come back and say something on their own, like like Turner did. And that's fine. That guy gave as much blood, sweat, and tears as anybody to that program. He can say whatever the hell he wants. He has the right to do that. Um, and he may not be wrong. I, I, I do agree that Rick, I think, sometimes goes too far with some of this stuff. But the players feel like he's never saying anything about them publicly that he has not first said to their face. And he is the way he is, and they love him anyway. They just do. And the, I don't think that is – the component that people understand that that they have a type more so than any other program, the team I've ever covered, that program has a type, you know, it's like a dude who's like, I only like blondes. 
You know what I mean? Like they just have a type and that Tennessee basketball. I can watch a high school basketball player sometimes get to know a kid for a little bit and tell you that's a Tennessee kid. That's not a Tennessee kid. They just have a type. And for the most part, they get Tennessee types and then they get their other types and not to throw anybody under a bus, but someone like Huntley Hatfield, that was a recent one, not a Tennessee type. He, he, he did not want to get coached hard all the time. He didn't want to listen to some hard truths. So he went to go to play for Kenny Payne at Louisville, and Tennessee was okay with that. They're like, hey, man, go be you. Go do great. Go go be a king. Just it's not it's – not, this isn't going to be what you want to be here is what I'm saying. And so the players at Tennessee, Ben, they – the ones who stay – if you play there for more than one year, then you are their type because you're not going to – they're not going to stay around if you're not. Right, and you pointed it out. Olivier's comments were were very telling. I also thought it was very telling uh, in terms of what Rick Barnes said Zakai Ziegler's response was, and that was that Zakai, when they got back to to Knoxville on Sunday night after the debacle, he he called Rick and said, what do you need me to do? And I I think that that tells you all you need to know what, what Olivier said. Uh, how Zakai responded, that, that tells you all you need to know uh, about what they thought about Rick's comments and whether that that was going to, to be an issue uh, or, or not. And I, I, I thought Rick was was honest. Uh, so many times we we get annoyed about coaches not being honest and, and then Rick is overly honest and it, it turns into a, a whole ordeal. Um, but again, he, he, he did not say anything that was not the truth and, and did not say anything that he hadn't already told Zakai, uh, which I, I think it, it is very, very important. And uh, Zakai handled it well, responded well, and it, it showed. His stat line actually kind of looked worse uh, against Florida Gulf Coast uh, in, in a weird way. Yeah, had, yeah. had the same amount of uh, assists uh, and had fewer points. But he didn't have so many crazy shots. And I think one thing that was lost in, in the Colorado game is he had a lot of almost turnovers to, to where he made some some risky passes that got deflected that Tennessee was able to to maybe get back and, and it doesn't go down as a turnover uh, in the stat sheet. I, I, when I was watching the game live, I was thinking to myself that Zakai is playing really bad right now. <laughs> Zakai Ziegler does not look like himself. Santiago Vescovi does not look like himself. I had those thoughts, and, and I don't know anything about basketball the way that Rick Barnes does. So uh, I, I did not have a problem with his comments. I, I think it also hit hard because he was, quote, being taken out of the starting lineup. But I also f- feel like that aspect did, of it, it was, Ziegler, Ziegler uh, said he uh, didn't want to start earlier. Right, and, and that's why I feel like it was a, a little bit overblown, uh, the comments that that is because of exactly that. Uh, Rick Barnes said at a – uh, a charity event at a golf tournament earlier this year, uh, a month or two ago, that Zakai prefers coming off the bench. He, he's more comfortable. Uh, and, and I think that's why Rick expressed that publicly because he has made that known publicly that Zakai does prefer to come off the bench. And uh, it, it certainly worked better on Wednesday night against Florida Gulf Coast. So, Wes, we'll, we'll learn a lot about this team next week uh, when they go down to the Bahamas for Thanksgiving. Uh, I expect this to be a, a really great basketball team. I would be surprised if they're not, but we'll, we'll learn a lot next week when they play three really so- solid opponents in, in three days. And, and I still maintain that I think we'll look back and view the Colorado 
game as a one-off. I, I truly believe that. Uh, but I guess we'll see next week when, when they get into to more consistent competition. Yeah, I try not to get, you know, I try not to be a prisoner of the moment or have any sort of like crazy recency bias one way or the other. But my thought on this Tennessee team has always been, I think it's going to be a really good team. I don't know if it's going to be a great team. Uh, I just, uh, there's there's some things that if they fall into place, I think this does become a great team. But right now, what I see is a is a really good team that has the possibility of doing more, and, and so I I, I don't want to I, I don't want to look too much at either you know like not not one thing like you know beating Michigan State in the preseason which you know doesn't matter but because it didn't count but look at Sparty against Kentucky that's not a bad basketball team at all um, and then they obviously people watched what they did against Gonzaga. Which again, that's that's that's, that's you, you, I don't Tennessee didn't have Josiah Jordan James, who, who's its best player right now, and it thumped Gonzaga when Gonzaga had all of its dudes. That doesn't mean nothing. It didn't count as a regular game, but both those teams, as hard as they were playing in that game, that 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 was real. And then you had um, I don't want to look too much into the Colorado one as a negative because I I think there's. It's a one. It's a basketball game, and it's not football, man. Like you're gonna, you're gonna, you're gonna wear a couple. You're gonna wear it a couple times a year. You just are. And so, I see the the possibility of a pretty good team there, Ben. I, I I'm interested to see where it goes, because there are some questions. Like you'd like maybe one more true point guard type. You'd like to have maybe one slightly more consistently dominant big man. Like there are some things that. How good is Phillips going to get? When's he going to get there? You know, there's just little things about the team. Like, is Vescovy going to look more like himself? Um, because for whatever reason, he's not consistently look like himself a little bit. Uh, you know, Gonzaga gave him a hard time in that preseason. In that in that game, teams are coming after him. Teams are are harassing him. Can he overcome that and be the player that I think we all think that he is? Uh, I just have a lot of questions, and and they're not they're not bad questions. They're not negative questions they're not concerns i think they're just questions i think there's things that this team could do but they got to go prove it they're definitely fair concerns and, and fair questions uh, i i know uh, olivier camwa isn't necessarily a, a fan favorite at the moment uh there, there are a lot of people out on him but but i think he is somebody that can develop into a key player he's a good basketball player i think he doesn't have great hands but he's a good basketball player I think he's still trying to prove that he's a good basketball player. I think he has a, a really good basketball skill set, and I don't know that he's necessarily pieced it all together consistently. Uh, he, he started to when he got hurt last year, and, and I felt like he was uh, about to finally show consistently why the coaching staff is so high on him, but then he then he got hurt. So uh, I, I wouldn't be surprised if middle of the year we, we look up and we are very impressed by Olivier Kamwa's play, uh, but but they need they need him to play well. Uh, and and Urosh again isn't going to determine whether you win or lose per se, but they they need him uh, because of how big he is, how physical he is, the energy that he brings, uh, and, and they need those two guys to play well until Jonas Adu is ready to, to step up and, and take a step forward. And what a talented I don't know how ready Tobey Awaka is going to be ready this season, but it, it does seem like they're trying to 
to push that along as as fast as they can. So uh, until Jonas and Tobe are ready to play, they they need Uroch and Olivier to play well, and and they'll be helped by the fact that they can go to a, a four guard lineup and a small ball lineup with uh, Phillips at the four or Josiah at the four. Uh, that that'll help them get there, but but they certainly need that. And and we've already seen the struggles of Tennessee not having a a second true point guard. Yes, they have B.J. Edwards, but but he's not ready yet. Uh, he's still developing, learning the system. Um, it, it sure would be nice to have one of those graduate transfer uh, point guards, true point guards mm-hmm. that that he was targeting this past offseason, like, like, like the one who just uh, you know dragged his kibbles and bits over Mizzou, or over Memphis. That that guy would have been nice to have. <laughs> Yeah, that that guy would have been nice to have if if some funny business ha- had not taken place. But uh, that's a separate conversation for a separate day down the road. Uh, so th- there are certainly question marks with this team. And and my final thought, Wes, as I peruse uh, social media uh, here, uh, is that that Colorado win or Colorado loss is just going to look uglier and uglier as the season progresses because after Colorado beat Tennessee. They then turned around and lost to UMass today, a, a UMass program that is in year one of Frank Martin. So uh, within the last week, Colorado has lost to Grambling and UMass and beaten Tennessee. But again, I, I maintain I'll, that I I'll say that's, this, though. Frank that's Mar- going to be a one-off in, in hindsight, and I believe that – that, that loss is going to be ugly all year, but I, I think it's going to prove to be a one-off uh, in, in hindsight. I will say the mitigating factor there could be we all know how close Rick Barnes and uh, Frank Martin are, and I bet Rick Barnes told Frank Martin some things about Colorado that probably helped UMass in that game, if I had to to guess. But the the, the last thing that I, I'll say, because we I'm glad you mentioned Jonas Adu, because, again, man, talk about the, the sky's the limit. A, a kid like that, that Condor who can has some touch, Man, when he when he really grows into himself, that's that's maybe quite a player there. Uh, that's a, someone you should be excited about, probably. Um, but I didn't want to not mention Jemai Meshack having ten points and doing some really good things offensively. I, I don't think he's gonna, you know, he he he's not Michael Jordan, all right. He's not gonna go out there and put up. He's not Kobe. He's not gonna go out there and score like 30, 40 points or anything like that. Um, but he is an unbelievable defensive player, and he's a guy everyone in that program believes in. And he's a guy who is now looking a little bit more comfortable offensively. And he doesn't have to be a great offensive player to really, really help this team because his defense is so good. Um, But if he can just be a decent offensive player, um, they can keep him on the floor more. And that's going to help them out a lot because their defense is something that should be really, really good all year long. If they have a bad defensive game, it's because two reasons – uh, the opponent just went bonkers and hit a bunch of shots, um, and some of them were tough. Or Tennessee did not play hard or focus. Those are the only thing because every they have every piece you want defensively to be a nightmare. They do, and and you've already seen that at times uh, this year. You saw it uh, against Florida Gulf Coast last night. Uh, I believe they were averaging eighty four points a game coming in, and I know it's a small sample size still. Still early in the year, uh, but 84 points a game. And then they scored 50 last night uh, because of Tennessee's defensive intensity and, and defensive effort. And uh, I'll, I'll add a, another reason the defense will, will perform poorly at times if it does. Uh, and, and you saw this on Sunday against Colorado. The abysmal offense led to, to really, really poor defense because the, the defense was keeping 
keeping it in there uh, in the first half. I, I thought the defense was suffocating in, in the first half against Colorado. Uh, we're, we're forcing a ton of turnovers. It, it was just a close game uh, because the offense was not was not good at all. And and then and then they just allowed Colorado to to hit some shots to to start the second half. They weren't hitting shots, and, and it was all downhill uh, from there. But it, it should be one of the best defenses in the SEC, if not the best defense in the SEC. And I, I think that's their their pride and joy, uh, the the butter to their role, and and should be what leads this team to a successful season. And, and then the offense will feed off of it. That, that's what you saw the second half of last season. They, they finally got it going defensively, and they were suffocating opponents, and then shots started to fall, and it was a deadly combination. Yes, it was, and we got a lot more to say about them, but we are out of time today to do it. We've gone a little bit longer than we normally do, but you know what? It's football slash basketball slash a little bit of baseball season. There, There, there is no way that we're not going to – occasionally have these longer podcasts because there's just too much conversation to fit into a small window. That's just calling it what it is. I'm not going to apologize because we're, we're giving you more to listen to. I'm not going to apologize for that. But but uh, regardless, uh, we we had even more stuff we could have discussed today. But we'll have more time to do that. We'll be back. Uh, we'll have the, uh, the preview edition for the football game uh, with John Whittle from the Big Spur on Friday. We'll have post-game pod uh, from Saturday, although that will be late 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 saturday night early sunday morning because of that start time uh, and then we'll have some stuff for you during feast week we'll have a basketball preview going into uh, the the battle for atlantis uh, which is again four uh, not not for but the number four for for some reason even though there's eight teams there whatever uh, it's the battle for atlantis uh, there's obviously a lot going on with the college football playoff and with the vanderbilt game and all that so uh, we will uh, we will have a lot more to discuss, but uh, we are out of time today. So uh, appreciate you joining us, Ben. Thanks, man. See you, Wes. There's that button. And now I can say thank you for listening to this edition of the Go Vols 24-7 podcast. We always say that, but we always mean it. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for listening. You can find all of us on social media. I'm Wes Rucker 24-7 on Twitter. Ben McKee is Ben McKee 14 on Twitter. Ryan Callahan is Ryan Callahan 24-7 on Twitter. And Patrick Brown is P. Brown 24-7 on Twitter. And if you just want Tennessee news on Twitter, nothing else, you can get that at twitter.com slash govals 24-7. You can also go to facebook.com slash govals 24-7 where we update that throughout the day, all day, every day, mostly with Tennessee news, uh, but also with news that we think Falls fans will find interesting. Uh, But if you want that best, most delicious East Tennessee Smoky Mountain spring water directly from the source, go get that at GoVols247.com, the best site on all of Al Gore's internets for coverage of Tennessee football, football recruiting, basketball, basketball recruiting, Tennessee baseball. Nobody, and I mean nobody, covers Tennessee baseball the way that we do. Also, no one covers the Lady Vols that we do. The award-winning Maria Cornelius does an excellent job covering all things Lady Vols for us all season long. You can get all of that at GoVols247.com. You've also got access there to two forums that run around the clock, got the checkerboard and the summit, where you can go 24 hours a day, seven days a week, and discuss anything you want that is not political or religious in nature with us, with thousands of Tennessee fans across the world, and with us who are on the staff. Uh, and, and no one has a more uh, active board with the, the staff members than us. We are proud to be there all the time answering any question that you've got, and you get all of that for less than the price of one mediocre lunch per month. That is all that it costs, and that's after a quick free trial. And once you pay us that reasonable rate, which is, again, less than one mediocre lunch per month, 
you get access in perpetuity to Paramount Plus, uh, which is an excellent growing behemoth of a streaming arm there with us here at CBS, Paramount, Viacom, etc. You get every show CBS has ever made commercial free. You get new movies. You get classic movies that rotate in every single month. Uh, you also get just tons of original content, tons of great original Paramount Plus content. And you also uh, get access to the vaults of uh, Nickelodeon, uh, Smithsonian, uh, MTV, BET, Comedy Central, something for the entire family. All of that, all of that for less than the price of one mediocre lunch per month. That That is so much stuff. So much stuff. That's a bunch of stuff. Less than one lunch a month. That's all that it costs. So go to GoVols247.com and do that. Take advantage of that. Tell your friends to go do that. Again, thank you for listening. You can always go subscribe to us on every content uh, item, everywhere you can get a podcast. You can get this podcast. So please go do that. Thank you for listening again. And uh, be kind to each other, guys. Just try to be kind to each other. There's just not nearly enough people in this world being kind to each other and having basic human empathy and dignity. Let's be better to each other. Let's be good. See you guys. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones, so we'll never lose touch with civilization, and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend, or do something a little more epic? And conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey.